This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Wednesday, April 19th. Today's weather forecast, cloudy skies with a chance of some flurries this morning. We could be clearing out by the afternoon, looking for a high of 12 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, federal civil servants begin their national strike. Number two, WestJet pilots vote in favor of a strike. Number three, Galen Weston stepping aside. Number four, the opposition calls foul on Justin Trudeau's Jamaican vacation. And number five, Maple Leafs go down in game one. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Are the listeners hearing me? <laughs> there we go. Good morning. Okay. Was everything I said previously on the air, or I'm just arriving now? No, no, no apologize. So uh, let's start the show again, John. Well, it wasn't that spectacular. Good morning. I was observing that it kind of seemed entirely appropriate. We started with a bit of a mournful Blue Rodeo tune because uh, Maple Leafs lost last night. I was not paying any attention to the game, so I have no special insight. Nick, you were listening to it. Yeah, and I don't think the Leafs are paying any attention as well. Um, I mean, it's yeah. only one game. If it, was, if it was just a one-game playoff, then we're out of the playoffs. But that's not the case. I mean, things could be turned around. But uh, it didn't look right at all. They were not ready, in my opinion. Um, and I think you can start playing the parade of people leaving the organization. Okay, well, I, I'm not going to crap all over the Leafs, but 7-3, I mean, what was it, a volleyball game for Pete's sake? 7-3 uh, loss last night at the Scotiabank Arena. Uh, John Tavares saying, we're disappointed with how the game went. We've got to be a lot better. And that is absolutely true. And while we can't necessarily take game one as evidence that there is some sort of a trend in the works, it, uh, it has upset a lot of Leafs fans. Like I said, I'm not going to provide any insight. And I'm always mindful of the fact that, you know, I'm born and raised in Montreal. So, of course, it's like being a New Yorker. I'm going to root for the Montreal Canadiens. And yet, you know, what's the point in that? Because they were crap this year. But at the same time, I'm not going to offer you any special analysis on how the Leafs are doing and whether or not there is going to be disappointment and tears again this year. We will be talking, just looking through my list, Matt Cause is going to join us at 8.35 this morning from TSN to offer whatever analysis he may have. And it's probably a mistake to take one game and game one as some sort of a template for how this is all going to unfold. But I know that's what people are going to do nonetheless. All right, so let's keep going. A lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about on the show this morning, I mean, there's new things, obviously, but um, there were things that also unfolded yesterday, everything from the inflation rate uh, to the final announcement about what's going to be happening at uh, Ontario Place and the Science Centre and all that stuff. So we'll provide some perspective on those stories. Uh, one thing that is new this morning, 12.01 this morning, 155,000 public servants who work at the federal level have gone on strike. So here's uh, Chris Aylward, 
who is the head of the Public Service Alliance of Canada. The Public Service Alliance of Canada, 155,000 members, will be on strike as of 12.01 a.m. Super. So how will you notice this? It all depends on what level of interaction you're having with the federal government. So if you are filing for a new passport, that could be a bit chaotic. Um, if you are filing your taxes, I know that a lot of people, including me, have made light of the fact that, well, they won't be able to process our taxes. True. But they also won't be able to process your refund. So you may end up being disappointed by that. But I went through a huge list yesterday of the services that will be affected by this strike. And an awful lot of them are deemed to be essential. So, you know, I mean, if you are a refugee, they're still going to process your paperwork. If you are awaiting your passport, might take a little extra time. If somebody needs to supervise your pig farm, they will probably still supervise your pig farm. And just to give you the general broad strokes in all of this, uh, the union would like a 13.5% wage hike over three years. The government has countered with 8.25% over four years. And I have no opinion on this, to be perfectly honest. I know it would be great if I had some sort of inflamed, like, yes, to the union. Uh, I believe people deserve fair compensation for the work that they do. I believe a lot of you know, civil servants do very good work. I don't know why people have a hate on for civil servants. They're just doing the work that needs to be done to provide the services you would like from your government. Um, and and, and, it is, and I re certainly recognize that with inflation, a lot of people's ability to cover the bills has been affected. But at the same time, it also should be recognized that if you're a civil servant, you have the reliability of probably knowing that you can work until you retire. And when you retire, you're going to have a good pension. Doesn't mean you have to work for, you know, minimum wage. But it does mean that you're in a pretty good position. So that will be my full opinion on that. Uh, Doug Ford yesterday, King of Surma, who is going to appear on the show this morning, uh, making the formal announcement that uh, the Science Center is moving to Ontario Place. Any development that we do, and this included, we're taking care of the costs, and we're going to be transparent once we get everything tallied up to prep the land, get it ready. But companies like Live Nations and Thermae, they're going to do the building. We aren't putting any dollars into the, the building. We're preparing the site for them. They're going to maintain outside uh, the area of uh, Thermae and Live Nation. They've been incredible partners so far. Um, and as soon as that comes out, we're going to make sure it's transparent. Yeah, okay. Well, and King Sarma will be on the show this morning to talk about this. Here's my big question. I, I, I'm not that incensed at the idea of building a new science center. I do understand John Burnside, who's the city councilor responsible for where the, the Science Center currently is, has expressed regret about the idea of moving a destination point out of his ward. Um, but my big question is this, how much is this going to cost? It's a great idea. Brand new Science Center. The previous one was built in 1969. It's, it's an old, tired building that probably needs to be refurbished. But... What are we going to spend on building this new joint? 
this and a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about this morning, including we'll hook up with our friends at CP24 in just a moment from now. And uh, Galen Weston and his surprise announcement yesterday that he's stepping aside. That's something certainly worth talking about this morning. Okay, time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore for what Toronto is talking about. Good morning, John. Happy hump day. Uh, Let's talk about this first. The Public Service Alliance of Canada, they have decided to go on strike, and that means about 155,000 federal workers are walking off the job. 12.01 this morning, the workers are no longer working. They'll be on the picket lines today. One of the things that amuses me, Jennifer, in this whole thing is that uh, they got a memo quite recently telling them you can't do picket line from home. You can't Zoom it. You're going to actually have to transport yourself to a picket line. How does this affect Canadians? Uh, Probably not a great deal, to be perfectly honest. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you are in the process of filing for a new passport, for example, that process may be slowed down. But things like, you know, guarding the borders, inspecting farms, all kinds of other federal services are not affected. Um, you probably might rejoice at the idea that uh, federal tax collectors are not mm-hmm. going to be working. However, hmm. that means that you won't be getting a refund if you deserve a refund. Mm-hmm. And just in case you're keeping track of the numbers, uh, the union is looking for 13.5% increase over three years. The feds are offering 8.25% over four years. So we'll see how this unfolds over the next few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Union representative saying that most of these workers make between forty to sixty thousand dollars a year, and that's just not keeping up with the rate of inflation. All right, staying with strikes, uh, WestJet pilots are voting in favor of a strike mandate, and the walkout could happen before the May long weekend. You're right. They could be actually locked out by their employer by May 16th. It's always problematic in the airline industry when there is some sort of a labor dispute or some kind of question about whether or not the airline is going to be able to honor its tickets because then people start booking on other airlines. So uh, this could be a bit of a dangerous situation for WestJet. The pilots are going to be in a strike position. And one of the issues here actually is that uh, the pilots say they're underpaid and hundreds of pilots have decamped already to other airlines, many of them in the States. All right, we'll follow that one closely. Uh, meantime, Loblaw has named a new president and CEO to replace Galen Weston. Uh, you have to wonder if this had anything to do with his uh, recent pay upgrade, but he's still staying on as the chairman. I have to imagine what it has to do with is just endless bad news for Galen Mm -hmm. Weston over the last year or so in terms of PR. I mean, he made himself the face of the brand, and then he was accused of what the NDP has called greedflation. So Galen Weston's surprising announcement, which you guys were covering yesterday morning live and in real time, uh, Galen Weston's out, and Loblaws has now named a Danish retail executive named Per Bank to be its president and CEO. He's currently the CEO of a Danish retail chain called Saling Group AS, which has 1,700 supermarkets. So he mm. certainly knows what the sector requires. Yeah, and fitting that his last name is Bank, as in B-A-N-K. Yeah, okay. so yeah, hopefully he can make bank for, <laughs> right. uh, for Loblaw. Okay, uh, turning to some big news uh, south of the border. So Fox, Dominion, they've reached a settlement over those false U.S. election claims. This is, for media people, I think, a very historic occasion. Uh, yesterday was supposed to be the first day of Dominion, ban- uh, Dominion uh, voting systems 
a lawsuit against <clears throat> Fox News, and instead Fox News announced that they were settling $787 million. Interestingly, in all of this, nobody has to apologize. There will not be you know, people like uh, anchors for Fox News appearing on the camera saying, sorry, we lied. But all of this is about the fact that Fox News, in order to preserve their ratings, lied about mm -hmm. the results of the 2020 election. And that caused enormous damage to Dominion, which, of course, is a Canadian company worth mm. mentioning. Oh, okay. Very important there. And finally, a lot of people uh, recovering or talking about this this morning. Game one of the playoffs and the Lightning pretty much zapped the Maple Leafs 7-3. to three. Yeah, 7-3. Uh, not a great game one. I have no special insight. I'll let the specialists handle this this morning for us here on News Talk 1010 and you folks at CP24. But John Tavares, the captain, saying we're disappointed with how the game went. We've got to be a lot better. Yeah, very sad. Apparently some fans walked out halfway through just kind of predicting how it would end. Okay, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Have a great show. We'll you chat too. with you again tomorrow. Take care. Well, you know what? I can imagine leaving a baseball game in the ninth inning because your team has no hope. But who walks out of a playoff game just because they've decided to give up on the home team? But After the price yes. of tickets and I know. everything well, else. Do we know what those tickets cost? Way more than regular season, and they were sure. already high. So it's several hundred dollars, and... Okay, the entertainment value was zero. Like same, maybe a question is: Would you walk out of a bad movie halfway through it? I, you know. You know what? It, it, there's a funny question, and it's it, our mandate on this show is such that we don't do lifestyle call-in topics. But that would be worthy of a call-in. Have you ever walked out in a movie? And I'll tell you, I never have, not once. Um, I have sat through crap movies. But I'm always curious because I always wonder what if the, in, the, in the last five minutes this becomes the most brilliant thing that ever happened. The whole thing's been some sort of a tease and a lead up. So, yeah, I never walk out. And I don't go to, to a lot of live sporting events, but I've never walked out of a sporting event either because I always figure something might happen. You know, uh, Robert Turner teases me mercilessly because we went to a ball game once and I actually applauded a member of the rival team for a home run. And he said, well, you're cheering for the wrong team. Whatever. I'm watching a sporting event. Something great is happening. Let's enjoy it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the idea of taking game one and saying, okay, so what's going to happen in the rest of the series? Is, is the party over? Mind you, Matt Cause is going to be here at 8.35 this morning from TSN. But what I'm looking for from Matt is what did he see? You know, what did he see that might define the rest of this series? Not necessarily that we're all locked in and whatever disaster happened last night is going to continue to unfold. I guess we'll see. This Fox News settlement is going to be a part of our agenda this morning. At 6.20 this morning, we have Lisa Raitt as our first pundit who comes in. I always say, you know, the pundit can come in and correct me on everything I'm wrong about. I'm just always interested. I mean, I'm interested in hearing from you, and you can always text at 71010 about whether or not I have the right perspective on something. But the first live voice on the radio is uh, going to be the person on the morning brief, and that's Lisa Raitt today. It'll be on the agenda as well for the roundtables, 745, 845. 
But Fox News, I, I had predicted this was going to happen. Fox News would settle because it was too humiliating to have all of their celebrities sitting on the stand admitting, yes, I knew I was lying, but I lied. Why did you lie? Because the listeners are so stupid that they need to be told what they want to be told as opposed to what the news is. So this is kind of an historic occasion. And to anybody who wants to push back on this, remind me, when was the last time MSNBC and CNN were found guilty of lying and had to pay a billion dollars? 529, coming up in the next half hour, apparently Jake Tapper pretty well lost it on uh, CNN, I think is where Jake Tapper is, uh, talking about the Fox settlement. And I know it's hard to swallow for Fox fans, but I'm sorry, you can go on and on and on about, oh, the other media outlets lied, this, that, or the other thing, Mueller report, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, the only time that I can remember that anybody has ever sued a major news outlet and won a settlement out of court which is the admission of guilt, right? You don't want to go through the trial because you know you're going to lose, is Fox. And everybody knows Fox lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. So, you know, I'm sorry if you're a Fox fan. You're just going to have to swallow it. Yeah, okay. So Ashley stuck around after doing the headlines because apparently, Ashley, have you ever walked out of a movie? Okay, no, I haven't. Well, okay, I've been kicked out once. <laughs> wow, what were you doing? Oh, I was like 15 and I snuck into an R-rated movie. I had bought a ticket for another movie, so I wasn't stealing, uh -huh. um, but I snuck in. So I got kicked out because they found out. Anyway, <laughs> that's not the story I was going to tell. <laughs> this one, um, my dad was also a person who like would never walk out of a movie, wanted to get you know bang for his buck. In 1999, when the Blair Witch Project came out, he took my older brother, who was nine at the time, um, I don't know why he would take him there, but he took him to the Blair Witch Project. They sat through the whole thing. They thought it was absolute garbage. And the end credits come out and my dad stands up in the theater in front of everyone. And does anyone else feel ripped off too? And everyone, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was not a fan favorite. Yeah, I, You know what? I'm with your dad on this one. I thought the Blair Witch Project was crap. And I went after having been told that it was this monumental epic production. It was groundbreaking. And I just sat there and thought, no, it's actually really cheap cinema and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it was just a low-budget movie that uh, was just terrible. And, I mean, it's kind of become a cult thing, though, now. Like, um, I think it's one of the first, if not the first, kind of found footage uh, genre movies. Um, so a lot of movies have taken after that. But uh, still a garbage movie, a low-budget production. Uh, Richard Krause, I believe, would give it uh, zero to one stars. Okay. Well, I'm going to text Richard right now and find, <laughs> we'll out, find out what his contemporaneous uh, review was. Thanks. We'll listen for you at six. Thank you. Ashley Legasic, our morning news anchor. And yeah, I never understood the Blair Witch Project. And I don't know, I guess maybe it's a movie for people who go to a lot of movies. So it's like, oh, okay, that was interesting. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's keep going. Uh, but at the time, I remember I was actually a movie reviewer back in the day, and I thought it was crap, and everyone was like, no, this is the most landmark, amazing thing that ever happened. It's the best thing since Dawn of the Dead. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.39 on a Wednesday morning, worth noting, two degrees outside. 
So another chilly start to the day. I threw on the toque this morning. I managed to get by without gloves, but you know, my commute to the car is five meters and my commute from the garage is relatively short and sped up by the fact that I'm always trying to avoid being attacked by somebody on the street. It's actually been fairly, fairly peaceable uh, in the last little while. I mean, I don't know if we can judge whether or not the city is a little less agitated by virtue of my <laughs> you know, 400 meter walk from the garage to the front door in the morning. But honestly, for about two months, it was like a zombie movie. And uh, ever since they hired security guards at the parking garage, it seems to have been a little bit improved. They actually told us here that if we wanted, we could uh, phone security at uh, Bell Media and they would send a guard over to walk us. But I mean, honestly, if we ever get to the point where I need an escort to get from where I parked my car to the front door of the office, I think I'll just ask to work from home from now on. Thank you very much. So um, as mentioned in the last half hour, there are several stories this morning that are sort of us trying to bring some perspective to things that broke yesterday. So you know about them, but what happens next? And Galen Weston announcing that he's stepping aside as the president and CEO at um, Loblaws is a pretty fascinating story. I mean, this will be probably taught at the Schulich School. And people like Tony Chapman can probably bring more perspective to this story than I can. But this is what I find really, really fascinating in this. Galen Weston made himself the face of Loblaws or Loblaw. Actually, that's a hilarious thing. Retail, it's one. Industrial, it's another. There's either an S or there isn't. Um, but he decided to make himself the face. And the idea, I think, was, hey, look at this. I'm a billionaire. I'm part of this. I'm, I'm a Brahmin, but I still care about your grocery bill. And I still care about you buying a raw chicken or a can of beans or, or whatever. And that worked for a while until we ended up in this situation where food prices were going through the roof. And an awful lot of people were convinced that it wasn't just inflation. It wasn't just, oh, yeah, okay, well, this costs a lot more money to produce this product, therefore you're raising. No, a lot of people felt and are convinced still to this day that Loblaw and other organizations were disguising price gouging behind the notion of inflation. And eventually that caught up. And also there was the whole bread price fixing thing. I mean, that was years ago, but that combined with the suspicion that maybe Loblaws and other retailers were uh, price gouging, ultimately ended up making the, the guy who was saying, hey, look at me, I'm a billionaire, but I'm just like you. And finally, now people are saying, no, you're a billionaire. And so he's out. Uh, surprisingly, actually, I'm, I'm, one of the accounts I'm looking at this morning says Weston has been president of Loblaw since 2021. Really? I thought he was in charge a lot longer than that. But I think this is a question of president, CEO, chairman of the board, all those things that, um, you know, we can bifurcate. Uh, but he will no longer be the president of Loblaw. He will remain chair of the company's board. And Nick, I see this uh, look of... Um, of uh, readiness on your face. Do we actually have audio 
that pertains to this or no? Yeah, clip number 35 on your uh, program sheet into the audience. It's clip 35. Clip <laughs> 35. Okay. Uh, this is marketing professor Marvin Ryder, who appeared on the Jerry Agar show just after the news broke. And, I mean, this was a pretty, I don't know if it's, if it's earth-shattering, but Joe Cristiano and I, after we finished the show yesterday, were walking out of the building, and he held up his cell phone and said, look at this. And it was like Galen Weston resigns. I thought, okay, this is a big deal. Well, I will say it comes as a surprise to me today, but back in 2021, when Galen Weston became president of Loblaws, it was seen at that time as being a temporary measure. The existing CEO had retired uh, a bit unexpectedly, so the board put Galen into the role. We found out that the chief operating officer was also planning a retirement at some point in 2023. So I think Galen was really put in as a transitory CEO until they could do a global search and find replacements for these people. That was announced today. But keep in mind, Galen's not out. He's going to be the CEO for the rest of this year until Parabank can take over next year. And you know what? I'm sure Galen Weston's a nice feller. But, wow, i got to go back through the Twitter feed to see what Laura Babcock was saying about him yesterday. But it was savage. And I just think that his brand was so undone in the last year or so because people resent the idea that, you know, their food prices are going up. And while a lot of that has to do with everything from avian flu to natural input prices, at one point it was about the price of fuel, not so much now. Um, but there was genuine inflation that affected food and in the figures which we will go over in detail in a moment, that came out yesterday about inflation. Inflation down, food inflation still, still fairly high. But that was the trial that Galen Weston was never going to survive. And frankly, I don't know about you, but if I was born into a family with a family business, unless I was super passionate about that business, I'd be out of there. And ask yourself this question. What did your mom do? What did your dad do for a living? Do you do anything that resembles those professions? In some families, nursing, teaching, policing, generation to generation, people, people tend to do the same thing. But, you know, I have nothing to do with what my parents did for, well, okay, I was a teacher for this much time, but that's it. I have nothing to do with my, what my parents did for a living. If I inherited a business... I would find somebody else to run it, and I'd go to NASA. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Yeah, so game one didn't go so well, but I'm going to wait for somebody who totally understands what he's watching when he watches a hockey game. Matt Cause is going to join us at 8.35 to give us some perspective on whether or not you can tease something out of game one uh, Maple Leafs versus Tampa Bay and make any predictions about where this is going to go. I mean, you know, they wouldn't be the first people, wouldn't be the first team to lose in game one and go on to run the series. Uh, mentioning in the five things you need to know, WestJet pilots voting to strike. And there is always going to be more jeopardy involved in the airline industry. And I guess I could think of a few others, but I'm, let's just stick with airlines for a moment. Where there is any kind of uncertainty, all of a sudden that becomes a real issue for the company. So the earliest the pilots can strike, 
or be locked out by the employer is May 16th. But here's the issue, right? Are you going to book a trip on WestJet on the 20th of May if there is the possibility of a strike on the 16th? So um, one of the real problems, and, and you know this is not unique to the airline industry, everybody, employers are struggling to keep their employees and to find new employees because it's a worker's market right now. And apparently WestJet lost 240 pilots last year and another 100 this year, owing to the fact that they could find better compensation with airlines in the United States. So um, that is a real, real issue for WestJet. Meanwhile, when it comes to labor disputes, the Public Service Alliance has declared its strike as of 12.01 this morning. And I'm still kind of not struggling necessarily, but I, you know, how is this going to affect you today? Not sure. I mean, you know, if you wanted to pick up the phone today and engage somebody at the revenue agency and find out something about your file, that may be a problem. But there are a lot of these things, a lot of things that are done by these workers, 155,000 of them, that are deemed to be essential. So they will continue, you know, border inspections and all kinds of other things. So yesterday, Doug Ford, King Surma, amongst others, unveiled their plan to move the Ontario Science Centre to Ontario Place. I won't say I'm agnostic about this. I'll only say... Sounds like a great idea. I just don't know how we're going to pay for it. Because, and, you know, Kinka Serma is going to be on the show this morning. Uh, Joe Cristiano, when is uh, the minister going to be with us today? She's uh, going to be joining us. Actually, the deputy mayor is going to be on the show. 8.05. 8.05? Okay. 8.05. The infrastructure minister, Kinka Serma, will join us. And incidentally, um, we used to do a segment when John Tory was mayor called Mayor in the Morning. And that has been largely honored, actually, by the deputy mayor, Jennifer McKelvey. And she will join us at 7.20 this morning. And there's a bunch of stuff to talk about with her. But back to Kinga Surma. I want to know, what's the budget? How are we going to pay for it? Because I love the idea of a science museum at Ontario Place. And to be perfectly honest, I know we can point out, and with all respect to John Burnside, who's... It's a little early for him to be out walking the dog yet. He says he walks the dog from 6 to 7 a.m. every day and listens to the show. Um, but that's his ward. And he says he resents the idea of pulling something that is possibly a rent revenue generator and an anchor in his ward, pulling it out of his ward and building a brand new one at Ontario Place. Um, I sympathize, but, you know, I... If, I, anything that is going to make Ontario Place a destination, almost anything, I'm on board for. I'm somewhat unconvinced about the spa, but if they do it right, then, you know, I would climb on board for that. But my question is, how much are we going to spend and how much is it going to cost? Um, go for clip 22, Nick Marano, because... You know, this is Doug Ford making his sell, and he says this is a generational project. You know, this is something we do now because it's going to be here 50 years from now. Friends, we're bringing more to Ontario Place, more green space, more trails, more beaches, and more fun. 
The new revitalized Ontario Place is a once-in-a-generation opportunity. It will attract between four to six million people. The minister's telling me six. I believe it. Hopefully, it'll even be more each and every year. Create approximately 5,000 jobs and be an economic driver for local hotels and restaurants and entertainment venues for decades to come. Friends, our government has a plan to help people, businesses, and communities today while laying a strong foundation for generations to come. Okay, here's hoping. Because every other day, some municipal leader or state leader or provincial leader comes up with some sort of a brainstorm that is going to drive business. I always remember Michael Moore's first documentary was about Flint, Michigan, and how it flatlined when the auto industry basically abandoned Detroit. And they kept on coming up with these wonderful ideas that were going to draw people there. And they all cratered. So will the new Ontario place work out? I hope so. But, you know, these are pretty rosy predictions. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.